and they run through our ass like shit through a tin horn, man, and we could not stop them. It's ridiculous that they do. That was a huge calling. Well, we didn't miss it. You know, the typical rah, 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 zip, boom, bye, boom. You don't cuss. You don't drink. So what are your vices? I have been known to, uh, to chew a bit of tobacco when I get a little tired or watching film. Hey, I'm Coach Joe. I just love my Hummer. I have my Hummer. You need a Hummer. Tell them about it, Jojo. They've won the biggest championship, and that's a championship of life. Gap control. Everybody just do your job. You understand that? Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined, as always, by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. How are you? Doing good, Shane. Not as well as you, though. From what I hear, you're down in L.A., isn't that right? <laughs> that is correct, brother. I'm in lower Alabama. I'm in the great city of Mobile. And uh, one thing, it's warm, you know, so that's good. So it's not cold anymore. So, uh, But other than that, we just got in. Haven't really got to see the town much. So you're just going to have to rough it with me today because I ain't got none of my gear. We're doing this old school, Mike. You're not down there scouting for the Senior Bowl, are you, Shane? <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, me and Coach Joe going to grab a quick bite to eat down here and, you know, check them out. But after that, no, my my, my week's free, Mike. All right, Shane. Well, <laughs> speaking of screwing up, Shane, like we are this podcast, did you see the latest Stephen A. clip, Shane, from ESPN? Oh, of course, no. we're talking Stephen A. Smith, the guy, the world-renowned NFL expert for ESPN. He's done it again, Shane. The latest, uh, he was talking about the Washington Redskins and their quarterback competition. Uh, let's play this clip, and then uh, we'll discuss it. All right, Shane, if you didn't catch it there, (laughs) that last name he's throwing out there, that was the damn punter. (laughs) (laughs) And clearly what old Stephen A. did here, he looked down the box sheet, you know, and he says, oh, who's throwing a pass? Okay, that guy started. This guy was one for one on the year, and it was on a fake punt pass. That's So I guess that's enough for Stephen A. to assume this guy started for the Redskins. But, uh, no, that's a damn punter there, Stephen. You can't make it up, Mike. You can't make it up. And they keep feeding him millions of dollars to make these mistakes. I, I'm thinking the ESPN is starting to enjoy this. <laughs> more, they probably are. They're getting more attention for what he's saying wrong than anything he's saying right, I would, I would imagine, at this point. Oh, my God. You know what they need, Mike? Fox needs to throw tons of money at him and get him on there with Urban next year. Couldn't that, wouldn't that be the greatest? <laughs> <laughs> well, Shane, Stephen A., he may put no time into his research. Uh, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, but I did want to share this recruiting information because this took me a hell of a long time to research. I know I've been teasing it for a couple weeks. We just haven't had time to do it, or we're going to do it right now. And this is a complete breakdown, Shane, of every SEC recruiter. I've went through every single recruiting staff for the 2019 season. Of course, they're all situated now except for Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt is currently at eight assistant coaches. Every other SEC team has all 10. So I've got all their entire history of what these guys have signed. I didn't count commits, Shane, because... 
you know, a commitment is not firm and you just don't know what's going to happen there. So just to break this down, what I've done, so let's take Alabama's 10 assistants. I've listed them all out and then I have went through their entire history and seen which prospects they were either the primary recruiter yeah. or the secondary recruiter listed out on 247 Sports. So I've done that for every single SEC team. Oh, wow. And the numbers were pretty interesting here, Shane. I thought uh, Alabama, I know they have, last year they had this recruiting staff. That's kind of what they were known for, not known as coaches necessarily, experts on the field. Mm -hmm. I think they flipped that script because they don't have that many great recruiters, Shane. But I'll tell you, if you had to guess the SEC assistant, now keep in mind these are no head coaches here, just assistants, the SEC assistant that has signed the most five-star prospects in all the SEC, who would you think that would be, Shane? I don't know, man. Uh, James Coley, maybe, for Georgia? Yeah, you, actually, you're not far off the mark, Shane, because James Coley is credited with signing seven five-stars during his collegiate careers as an assistant coach. But number one in the SEC, Shane, goes to T. Martin, your boy. Ooh. The new Tennessee receivers coach, he's assigned 11 five-star prospects. And second in the SEC, Rodney Gardner, Auburn's defensive line coach. So that kind of – you when you start looking at this information, you see why these guys are making so much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the one of the most interesting on this list, Shane, Glenn Schumann, Georgia's new co-defensive coordinator. He, this guy's in his mid-20s, and he signed six five-star recruits. Uh, this is a guy that's been with Kirby all the way back to Alabama and was one of his first hires there in Athens. So – uh, Glenn Schumann, that's that's a name to watch, Shane, as uh, I think in a, here in a couple of years we're going to know him as maybe the best recruiter in the SEC. And how about this, Shane? You don't think of Jim Chaney? You know, you, you don't really necessarily see him as a recruiter when you hear that name, but he's right there at fifth best with five five-star oh, recruits. Oh, wow. He's signed, so that's pretty interesting. Uh, going down the list here, Del McGee, Georgia's running back coach, also with five. Real quick, so, real quick. I, I had no idea Cheney even went on the road. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, seriously, nothing against him. You know, I love I, – I mean, I'm a big guy too, you know, and it's just like he just doesn't look like a road warrior. You know what I'm saying? He just – like I'll talk to him when they get here kind of guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good to know that you have such a low opinion of these guys, but, I mean, the reality is in the SEC – and just more across the nation, but particularly in the SEC, Shane, you cannot half-ass it in recruiting. You know, no, I mean, no, you, you can be a you can be a great coach, but if you don't put in the effort in the recruiting, I think we saw that with uh, the Bobby Petrino up there at Louisville. I mean, it just went to hell on him quickly because yeah. he didn't recruit that well. You know, so I bet he's a good texter. You know, he looks like a good texter. <laughs> Jumping down the list here, Brian McClendon, South Carolina's offensive coordinator. He's right at the top of the list with five. Uh, Corey Raymond, LSU's outstanding secondary coach, he's also signed five. And now we jump down to Sam Pittman, Shane, for Georgia's offensive line coach. He's signed four or five stars in his time. That's a surprise. I, I thought he would have more. Yeah, I kind of did too, but I think what Sam Pittman has done is just landed so many elite four stars that you just you know once they get to college and they start being all conference all american nfl players i think you tend to think oh well those were all five stars but what he's done he's taken these four stars turned them into five stars if that makes sense Mm. and then uh sal sincere shane for alabama number he's got three 
Charles Kelly, who just left Tennessee for Alabama, he's also there at three. Tennessee's offensive line coach, Will Friend, he's at three. Mm -hmm. Uh, So quite a few here. And then jumping down, how about this, Shane? I just calculated the percentage of five-star prospects signed per the entire team. So, for example, Georgia has signed 35 stars and based on every one of their coaches in their history, guys they've signed, that's 10% of the guys Georgia has signed are five stars, which may not seem like a great number, 10%, but you're already dropping down. Tennessee is second on this list, all the way down at 7%. So that that's a big gap. And you jump down the list here to Ole Miss. I mean, you're talking 2%. Arkansas's oh, wow. 1%. I mean, so 10% is incredibly high there for Georgia. Uh, Auburn is third on that list with six and a half. Wait, okay, just clarification because I'm I'm a little lost here. So what you're saying is that out of all the five stars that are coming out per 24-7, Georgia is landing 30, like 30% of them? Uh, no, what I'm saying is Georgia's recruiting staff. Yeah. All 10 of these guys in their history have signed 297 recruits. Yeah. And 30 of them have been five stars, which equates to 10, 10% of the guys they're signing are, are five-star oh, prospects. I got you. Okay. So basically one out of 10, but when you break it down to how many they're landing, I mean, that's that's still an incredible number. Yeah. Uh, I, like I said, Alabama, their current staff is only at 5%. So Georgia really? has is doubled Alabama's staff right now. Now, do you think, real quick, just going mm-hmm. talking about Alabama, obviously they're getting a lot of five-star talent, but uh, do you think this is more skewed because of the new staff? I mean, that's certainly part of it. Yeah. You know what? And Georgia hasn't had a ton of turnover. Of course, they lost both coordinators, but they, you know, it's not like they're not going through Alabama type where they're losing seven or eight assistants every year. So mm-hmm. that certainly plays a part. And it's obviously easier to to recruit to Alabama than than say Ole Miss or Arkansas or Vanderbilt, obviously. Yeah. But I don't know. I, this this kind of exercise that I just did because I think it's important to know how good of a recruiter are, is on your staff. You know what yeah. I mean? So I just wanted all the SEC fans to know. You know what can they expect? You know maybe Arkansas fans are saying, well, "Why in the hell are we not signing more five stars?" Well. Your staff is only signing three total, so maybe you're not expecting a ton of five stars. But if you go down to four stars, I also have that information. Uh, that's a little bit more realistic because teams like LSU, mm-hmm. nearly 50% of their signees, it's at 40, 45% are four stars. So that's that's an incredible number. They, they lead the SEC. Yeah. Auburn at 43. And then Alabama – down to 36%. So once again, Alabama, this this staff, I think that was the major thing that jumped out to me. They do not have a bunch of recruiters, but maybe that'll, you know, pay out on the field this year for them. Yeah. And, and do you know how, I mean, it's just, it's extremely hard to land a five-star just because there aren't that many. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at 24-7, I mean, there's thousands of kids in high school, hundreds of thousands. And, you know, of course, they don't rank them all. They, you know, they, they break them down. But out of all the kids in high school that are going to be, you know, eligible to go to college, 
Uh, how many currently are listed at five star on 24/7's website? They usually keep it around 25 in the nation. Yeah, I mean, for every so year. you're ta- you're talking when you say 30 percent to Georgia, you know, damn near. I mean, that is, I mean, there isn't 35 stars in this class. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. That's unreal. Yeah, I mean, so they're they're just a machine right now, and I think. You know, for anyone thinking that, uh, you know, Georgia may have missed their window, you know, you could argue they should have beaten Alabama the last two years. Uh, I mean, they're just going to have, I think they're going to have even a better team coming up. So I think their window is just now starting to open there in Athens. Yeah. Yeah. They're deep, man. All right, Shane, that was a lot of numbers. I didn't want to break your head there. (laughs) (laughs) It's late, Mike. So let's jump to the other story that we put off here. We really wanted to, to do a deep dive here. You ever you ever watch The Hangover and and they're going mm-hmm. to the casino and all those numbers are floating around? <laughs> Zach, that's 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 what's going on right now. <laughs> well, thankfully, I've got a lot of videos. Can't show them obviously, but I watched a ton of videos for our, this next bit here, Shane, because I've broken down the quarterbacks. That Arkansas has landed the grad transfers. Ben Hicks, of course, from SMU. They've had him for a couple weeks. He's participating in spring practice. And they recently landed former Texas A&M quarterback Nick Starkle. So what I've done, Shane, I went through and watched every single game that I could find. And for Texas A&M, it was easy, Shane. I watched all their games are on YouTube. I watched this, even the spring game from last year when it was Starkle and Kellen Mond going at it in Jimbo's offense. Mm-hmm. Now, for Ben Hicks, I wasn't able to find all the games, but we're talking 85% of his action was, was available on YouTube. So I went and watched all that as well. And I want to give you my breakdown of each of these guys, Shane, because I think this is obviously the biggest question here in Fayetteville. Who's going to be under center for Arkansas next year? And depending on if they make the right move, Shane, I think they realistically could compete for a bowl game. If they make the same mistake they made last year where they just yo-yoing these guys, mm-hmm. I think they're in for another terrible year. So this is just an incredible decision here that Chad Morris and his staff have to make. And here's how I'm going to break it down, Shane. I'm going to do Nick Starkle, the things I liked. I'm going to do that first. Make, okay. it, make it real simple for you. The thing that stood out to me more than anything else watching Nick Starkle. I'm talking about his game here, but before I even get into a game, how about this, Shane? His father went to West Point. His mom was a Navy nurse. So, you know, this guy has probably got the right stuff mentally. Yeah. Comes from comes from the great family. And I thought he handled that situation there at Texas A&M last year terrifically. I mean, he could have left as soon as Kellen Mon was named the starter. But he never pouted. He did nothing but encourage Kellen Mond. He even got to see the field a little bit, but it was solely in a in a backup role. Right. But you still never saw anything bad about this guy. And when he announced he was leaving Texas A&M, Shane, I think that's when you can really see how the community and the program and everything, how they really view the person. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just unanimous, you know, support for this guy and hoping he does well. And now that he's going to Arkansas, I mean, they're still saying it. So uh, you know this this is a good guy if everyone's saying that. But going to his game, Shane, the number one thing that stands out about Nick Starkle, he has incredible accuracy on his downfield throws. So I think this is an aspect of Arkansas's offense they didn't get last year from either quarterback. 
whether you're talking Cole Kelly or Ty Story, but Nick Starkle, it's not that he has a cannon, mm-hmm. but he's just on the money down the field time and time again. Now, no one's accurate every single time, so I'm sure people can pull up a clip of him missing a throw, but more often than not, Shane, he's putting it on the money down the field, and that is so valuable to have in an offense that, you know, they're going to actually have some good tight ends. they got some good running backs, but they really have got to stretch this field to keep defenses honest. So that's the biggest thing I saw from Nick Starkle. And now my second thing that I really like from Starkle, he knows who his playmakers are and he knows how to get them the ball. Yeah. And we saw that his first year he had to start as a freshman, uh, but he got hurt in the season opener there against UCLA, had to sit out the next six weeks. And then in comes Kellen Mond, and Kellen Mond was showing flashes. You know, he was doing some things that led you to believe he could be a good player, but he just could not throw the ball effectively. And we're talking immediately off the bench, in comes Nick Starkle, and he's getting Christian Kirk the ball, you know, in ways that Kellen Mond just could not do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was really impressed with that. I think that's going to be key for him when he goes to Arkansas, because Arkansas does have some players, Trey Knox, a true freshman receiver. It sounds like Arkansas got a real gem in this guy. I mean, he was a four-star, but, you know, we talk about, you know, four-star prospects turning into five-star prospects. That's what Chad Morris and his staff have been able to do with receivers. So Trey Knox may be that next guy in line to do that. Uh, So watch out for that. And then, the thing that I that I think really stood out about Nick Starkle, and I wish I could show the video because it, it's kind of easier to explain with the video, but while he only played one season truly as a starter, and he only got half the year because half the year was lost to injury, when he first started playing, there were throws he couldn't make, you know, touch throws in the back of the end zone. Mm-hmm. There was a critical game at Auburn where he just couldn't get that done, so... You think maybe this guy just doesn't have it, but by the end of the season, Shane, on the road at LSU, a a top, I believe they were right in the top 10 LSU, same exact situation. He delivers the the ball on the money, and he did it in the bowl game as well, the following, you know, to follow out the season. It looked like a real player there in the bowl game, and I think, you know, I I think he just lost out to Kellen Mond because I think Kellen Mond is, is a guy that can develop into something special under the right coaching staff and going from Kevin Sumlin's offense, which is, which is much more similar to what they're running in Arkansas now to Jimbo Fisher's pro style. I think Nick Starkle just didn't fit the pro style quite as well as he does uh, kind of the open spread system. Right. Well, I like the size of him too. Uh, do you have that? Yeah. He, he's six foot three, 220 pounds. So, I mean, he's, he's a good-looking athlete. I, I like the way he moves around in the pocket. There's a couple of things I don't like about him, though. I, I don't like his throwing motion. It, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes he he sidearms it like he's skipping a rock. You know what I'm saying? And right. <clears throat> that could cause turnovers. Uh, all it takes is one of those defensive ends to come around and hit it. Also, another thing I noticed, too, and, and I know it was his freshman year, but there wasn't a lot of like progression. He he pretty much had one guy he was going to throw to. You know, if you notice, a lot of times when he comes back, his eyes didn't move around the field. He wasn't looking to check down. He wasn't looking at other options. You know, he he knew that this guy was going to be there, and if not, 
you know, he was going to tuck and run. So that's something that, that comes with film study and and something I've heard about him is he, he lives in the film room, you know? Mm -hmm. So this is something maybe, uh, you know, coach can develop and, and get him going. He, he is mobile enough to run that RPO spread. So, um, I think that's going to be a benefit as well. Um, but those, those are just a couple of things that I saw that, that, that stood out. Now there is another good thing too. It, the fact that his age, you know, if you give Starkle the job, he's got potentially what, three more years or two more years, two more years. Yeah. So two more years. And, and, you know, you talk to any Arkansas fan, the quarterback that they really care about isn't even on campus yet. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that, that gives him even more time to develop and something to look forward to in the future. So those are some of the advantages I see with Starkle. All right, Shane, how about this? I'm going to break down what I liked about Ben Hicks next. And I think the number one thing, this is kind of obvious, but just watching the film, it, it spoke to it. This guy has a firm grasp on that offensive system they're running at Arkansas. And not only, you know, obviously would you have it after playing in the system for a couple of years, but he also had to start his freshman year and he had to start because of an injury to a senior quarterback down there at SMU. He stepped into the lineup and he did not uh, miss a beat immediately. So uh, not to say that, uh, you know, he was just throwing dimes all over the place, but he did not look like the situations were too big to him. It looked like he was prepared. And this was back in 2016 season. So he's he's really got that system down. Hey, Mark. Uh-huh. Wasn't he a redshirt? Didn't he get redshirt his freshman year? Uh, yeah, he was a redshirt okay. freshman. Okay, so so he came in as a redshirt freshman. That's what you're saying, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, okay, all right. So Okay, go ahead. Sorry. And then the second thing that I really like about Ben Hicks He's very accurate throwing on the run. And why that's so important, I think, for Arkansas, Shane, you know, we're going into probably year three of Arkansas having a suspect offensive line. Mm -hmm. And I think they're going to have to move the pocket. I think they're going to have to do a lot of, you know, rollouts and play action and all this. And if if they're going to design plays for these tight ends, which they did last year really well, I think Ben Hicks being able to run around now, he's not going to hurt you with his legs, but he can move in the pocket enough and make plays with his arm while moving. I think that's that's huge. I don't think I saw that from Starkle, so I think Ben Hicks has got a big advantage there. And the last thing that I like about Ben Hicks, kind of similar to Nick Starkle, but I think he even showed a better uh, examples of this, but he makes great use of the weapons he has. Uh, when he was at SMU, Shane, I mean, I had heard of this guy's name. I know he's with the Denver Broncos now, but Cortland Sutton. Oh, yeah. That was a name I heard, but I had never watched him in college. And this guy was just like a damn beast, Shane. I mean, he it looked was. like it was like a, an All-American on the field at all times against, you know, children. I mean, it was almost like that half the time. And credit Ben Hicks for getting him the ball as much as he possibly could. And then... The 2017 season, when he still had Sutton, he had another guy, former LSU receiver Trey Quinn, and he got this guy the ball. When he wasn't throwing to Sutton, he was throwing to Quinn. Quinn had 114 catches his only season there for SMU. (laughs) So, I mean, this guy knows who his playmakers are, and he gets them the ball. That's something that some quarterbacks just 
for whatever reason, are not able to do. So Ben Hicks has got that in his game. Uh, any thoughts on, on Ben Hicks? Oh, man. Mike, I'm a Ben Lever. You know what I'm saying? I, I think <laughs> I, there's a couple of things that I really like about I mean, it's kind of funny you talked about saying stole my thunder a little bit, but I, I did like how he found the weapons. I thought I thought you hit the nail on the head there. He He knew who was going to make the plays. And obviously, if you watch any highlights, it doesn't take long to figure out Sutton is the guy. So, you know, when you got that type of weapon, of course, you need to feed him. So, I, I you know, I feel confident that he's going to find those weapons in Arkansas. Now, one thing you got to remember is, you know, Coach Morris was at SMU for three years. Well, he recruited Ben and, you know, he red shirt, but he still practiced and, you know, played for a coach for two additional years. So it's crazy to think that he, as a quarterback at Arkansas, knows more than anybody on that team, you know, as far as Coach Morse's system. Mm-hmm. So I, I think he feels comfortable with it. And one thing about, you know, the ups and downs of last year's quarterback play, at least Coach Morse knows what he has, you know. Now, he may not be, he, he may not be the flashy uh, Starkle or, or JT or anything like that, but at least he knows what he has and then he can develop around that quarterback. So I just think it's more of a safe play to keep him in there, but I think it's efficient. If you look at his numbers, his numbers kept going up every single year he was at SMU and then they dropped off significantly when Morris left. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, he strives in coaches' system. So uh, you gotta, you gotta feel confident, uh, or you gotta be a little bit excited if you're an Arkansas fan because, you know, we've got some two. I mean, think about it. Last year we went from Ty Story to Cole Kelly, and then and now we got Ben Hicks and Starkle. We got two legit quarterbacks, one that almost won a job at Texas A&M, and and some folks think he should have. You know, so I think this is, this is my the most exciting quarterback challenge quarterback challenge that that we're going to see here in the offseason man well Shane now I told you what I like about each of them now I'm going to break them I'm going to break them down a little bit it's not all, it's not all rosy here and we'll start once again with Nick Starkle the bad here my number one thing I do not like about Nick Starkle particularly <laughs> <laughs> no it's not his name but it's the fact that he doesn't have the running ability to utilize this offense to where it needs to be. Yeah. He is not going to beat you with his legs. I mean, this guy has a career minus 48 rushing yards in his life. So he's just well, he's not, he's not going to factor in there. I think that's a little deceiving, you know, because if you actually watch tape on him, because mm-hmm. people are going to be listening to this think I'm talking like Stephen A. Smith. The guy is – he is mobile in the pocket and, and it felt like he held on to the ball probably a little longer than he should a few times, but he can get out. Now, he, like you said, he's, he's no Johnny Manziel or anything, but uh, he does have some legs on him, man. Well, he does have some legs, Shane. No sad. Not, no sad. <laughs> he doesn't know how to use them. Now here's the second thing that I'm kind of questioning about Nick Starkle. I noted my favorite thing about him. I like his accuracy down the field, but you got you can't confuse that with arm strength, Shane, because Nick Starkle 
He's got limited arm strength. And what I mean, you know, there's a difference between trying to throw the ball down the field and trying to just whip it in and like throwing a deep out. I mean, every time Starkle threw that deep out pass, it was either interception or nearly interception. I mean, he is limited in some degree in his arm strength of what he can get it out there. Uh, but you just you basically have to coach around that, which is not a huge deal. I mean, considering what Arkansas had at quarterback last year, I think this is a, this would be a hell of a uh, be a major upgrade. But there's still some coaching around that. Mm-hmm. And finally, for Nick Starkle, my last thing that still have to question, obviously, his lack of experience leading teams to victory. Did not rack up many wins there at Texas A&M. He beat New Mexico. He beat you know, an average Ole Miss team. He had an opportunity to, you know, get the W there against Auburn, LSU, and Wake Forest, and he failed in all those opportunities. So, you know, I'm not trying to bury the guy for not winning, you know, any significant games. He's only had a handful of opportunities. But just from what I saw, you know, he just didn't get that done for them. And you got to think that he's going to be in that position. If he's Arkansas starting quarterback next year, they're going to need him to have some fourth quarter comebacks. And he's just not really shown the ability to do that yet. Yeah. All right, Shane. Now for Ben Hicks, the bad, <laughs> you're a, a bin lever. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you why you shouldn't be Shane. Uh-oh. In my, in my estimation, this guy has failed to progress as a passer. I mean, when I put in the tape and, and watched, you know, his first few games, I was actually pretty impressed. I was like, but this guy, he's got, if he's playing this well as a freshman, I can only imagine how he's playing at the end of his junior season. And it was essentially the same damn thing. I mean, there was just, he had his ups and downs throughout his career. He he certainly had numbers. Like I said, he had an NFL receiver. I think Trey Quinn is in the NFL too. So let's just call it two NFL receivers. I mean, put up a ton of yardage, but he never really beat any that many good teams. They they did have a big win against Houston, but if you go back and watch that game like I did, there was you know turnovers galore in that game. There was a really good uh, defensive stands by SMU in that game. So I I don't know. I'm just I'm not really when, when they landed Ben Hicks and I saw that he was SMU's all time leading passer. I was like, my God, that he must be you know some incredible passer. Mm-hmm. It just did not come off that way to me. And, I mean, this guy is even – last year, Shane, check this out. His first four interceptions of the season were all pick sixes. And you got you got fans out here creating memes of uh, <laughs> him losing games on a pick six. I mean, and he did it time and time and time again. And this is as a redshirt junior. You know, this is not his freshman year I'm talking about here. This is his redshirt junior year. So that was very troubling to me. And then secondly, much like Nick Starkle, he does not have the running ability to fully utilize this Arkansas offense. They want a guy like a Deshaun Watson that can hurt you with his legs. I said Nick Starkle had minus 48 rushing yards in his career. Uh, ben Hicks has got minus 104. So I mean, he's just not going to help you in that aspect. Now, he, he does move around the pocket. He keeps his eyes downfield. So I, I got to give him credit for that. But he's just not a, a dual threat like they'd love to have. And, you know, finally, he's just – he's an inconsistent passer anytime you're you're talking 10 yards down the line of scrimmage. So he's basically the opposite of Starkle in that regard. If you could combine these two and you had Starkle's long field range and Ben Hicks, you know, 
near the line of scrimmage, you'd have a hell of a quarterback. But uh, unfortunately, the Razorbacks are going to have to pick one. And I think the choice is Nick Starkle based on watching all their, their film here. Well, Mike, you're wrong. And I'm going to tell you why. Because <laughs> who was the quarter or who was the coach for Ben Hicks his junior year, his redshirt junior year? Uh, that would be one Chad Morris. No, wasn't. Oh, junior year. I'm sorry, uh, Sonny Dykes. Yeah, Sonny obviously didn't know what Ben Hicks liked. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I said, every year he was doing better, and then he fell off the face of the earth. Well, he's learning a whole new system, and maybe that system didn't fit him. But mm-hmm. Coach Morris, I just, I, I don't know, it just felt like they had a good thing going while he was down there. And, and so I think – that's the Ben Hicks we're going to see in Arkansas, not the one that was with Sonny, you know? So well, I think the good thing they had going was uh, two NFL receivers on there. <laughs> no, no. Well, you say in Arkansas, got no, they got some studs down there. They got a hell of a tight end coming in. Just keep feeding Henry, you know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know. This I'm kind of like you. I mean, honestly, I did like Ben a lot when he first came in. And Starkle, I, I, you know, but I just like the aspect of keeping Starkle for a couple years just so that you can get, I mean, Morris's system needs to be ran by a true dual threat quarterback. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, neither one of these two are it. So, but I don't think, you know, Arkansas fans ain't going to wait multiple, you know, they're not going to wait. They're not going to want a true freshman. And I mean, cause a lot of things happen when you put a true freshman in. You know, you can break a true freshman, you know, if they're mm-hmm. if they're if their mind's not right and they go in. I mean, we saw a lot of this last year with Arkansas. You know, just bouncing back from these quarterbacks and it just it, it just felt like they were all imploding. So I don't know. I, I think the Starkle idea would be more beneficial. Get him out there, you know. Of course, with Hicks and Starkle both in that locker room, you know, it's kind of like they say, as the as the tide rises, all the ships go. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it just you got a lot more talent in there, a lot more uh, seasoned vets, and I just think it's going to help all quarterbacks all around. But I just think uh, no, I'm going to go Ben. Sorry, I just I try to talk myself <laughs> into it, but I'm going back Ben Hicks. Well, the good news for Arkansas fans, Shane, it doesn't really matter which guy they pick. They're going to have much, much better quarterback play next year. And I, that's that's the true victory of uh, the offseason of landing both these guys. I'm kind of looking forward to it. I want to see just – I mean, because they're going to be young, man. And, mm-hmm. and young can be fun or young can be ugly. So I'm just trying to figure out which young is going to show up. You know, I hope that they have some talent pop up and – like I said, you know, they've got a few pieces. I love, uh, of course, you know I love the running back there. So I, th- I think they've got some talent. It's just, I don't know, man. This quarterback thing, this is going to be something fun to watch in spring. When's their spring game, do you know? Uh, I don't have the dates in front of me here, but I think it'll be around mid-April. Okay, mid-April. Sorry, it's 11 o'clock, guys, and I'm rambling. <laughs> All right, Jade. I, before you pass out here, I got one last thing. We got a mailbag question to yes. discuss, and you're gonna like this one. Hey, listen up, it's time for mail call. Don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. 
You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! My turn, what do you got? Okay, here we go. What color is a fire truck? Oh, oh God, I always get these. Um, okay, uh, all right, fire truck. All right, Shane, mailbag. And I'm going to read this one because I feel like the current state you're in, you would not be able to get this one out. Dude, I've been on the road for like 10 hours. <laughs> so well, thank you for braving through all that, Shane. Uh, but this comes from our guy TH here on the Reddit page. Reminder for anyone out there, if you got questions for us like this, uh, feel free to hit us up on the Reddit page. That's that SEC podcast on Reddit. That's where this question comes from. What do you think over the next three years are the most likely scenarios for Mike Leach to get a head coaching position in the SEC? It would seem to be a combination of the following and maybe others. What university administrations and fan bases would be receptive to a Mike Leach hire? What current football coacher most resembles his style? You know, not a complete turnaround. And what coaches are most likely to be moving on from their current positions? What SEC head coach position would he take over his current job at Washington State? And I'm going to throw that to you, Shane. Uh, what hmm. say you about Mike Leach coming to the SEC? First off, I hope it happens, Mike. I mean, you know me. I, I think he belongs in the SEC. Uh, the SEC media days would be extremely awesome. Uh, it's just, just him being there. He belongs in the SEC. Now, mm-hmm. as far as which team, you know, I think he, I think he's earned the right to be a little picky. So there's some ball clubs that aren't going to have a shot at him. But the one that really stands out to me, like as an as an absolute opportunity, is Mississippi State. And now, go with me here. Mississippi State's offense last year was garbage. And if that continues, how many times have you seen an athletic director go the total opposite, the extreme? You know, mm-hmm. so if this thing doesn't work out, because they were so close. I mean, they were, last year should have been their year, and they didn't do it. They have they had all that NFL talent on that team and couldn't do anything with it. And if this thing starts sliding away from coach, I could really see them making an extreme switch and, and giving somebody like Leach an opportunity to go from uh, an amazing defense to no offense to just an amazing offense. Because I really do think uh, Coach Leach has potential to be uh, uh, be exciting in the SEC. That or Arkansas. And that's just because we were talking about Coach Morris. If Coach Morris doesn't figure out this quick uh, I, I think he's got a couple more years but i mm-hmm. still like his ties to texas you know okay well shane i actually have two as well and i'm just gonna go with the one that makes the most sense the one that i honestly think could be realistic and could happen relatively soon and that would be old miss shane because you know we've kind of stated it here time and again not completely bought bat, bought in to Matt Luke. Not to say he's a bad coach, because obviously he's Ole Miss through and through. But fan support seems to be down. You know, we've got two new coordinators. If they don't pan out, I think that's going to be the end of Matt Luke. Of course, if they do pan out, he should be fine there. So maybe that's not where it is. But I just think a guy like Mike Mike Leach coming into Ole Miss it would bring 
energy, excitement. He'd obviously have a offense that's throwing it all around the yard. That's what the Ole Miss people love to see, you know, based on, uh, you know, the Hugh Freeze era. That's basically mm-hmm. what they were doing, and they had they were wildly successful. But the one school more than any other, Shane, that I really want to see Mike Leach at, and I'm not saying this is the most realistic, but we're just kind of going off, you know, what I want to see and one that makes sense culturally and for the administration, in my opinion. And that would be, how about this, Shane? I hate to do this to you, but your boy, Edo, out on his ass, get (laughs) Mike Leach down to LSU. What is it that LSU can never Never, never get solved, Shane. It's that quarterback play. Yeah. I mean, Mike Leach can take, it seems like, any quarterback and get him going. If they if they can keep a similar caliber defense down there in LSU mm-hmm. and they have Mike Leach running the offense, I mean, their quarterback play, their receiver play, it would be night and day different. And I honestly think if they could keep the recruiting up and they could keep the defense up, I mean, I think Mike Leach would win a damn national championship at LSU. Oh, jeez. I, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't think LSU would hire him. I just – I don't think – now, Coach O, that was, that was like situational. He was there, and he mm-hmm. did okay, and it kind of went from there. It's just – I don't know. It seems like if LSU – I mean, they don't owe Coach Miles any more money, and you know, uh, I don't know how much they'd owe Coach O if they let him go. I'm not saying that they are, but we're just talking, you know, if it happened. I, I, I think that they could really open up the wallet for another coach. And I don't think Mike Leach just doesn't seem to me like he would be in that tier of, of universities. I may be wrong. Well, Shane, what you don't know is old Louisiana there on the mouth of the Mississippi Mike Leach be riding his pirate ship right up that Mississippi <laughs> River. <laughs> they have the money. They get uh, Coach O's got a huge buyout. They'd buy his ass out for Mike Leach. And I'll tell you why, Shane, because Texas Tech has not been relevant since this guy left, and that was, mm-hmm. what, 15 years ago? Yeah. Washington State was not relevant till he got there. I mean – He's killing it. He's he's a weirdo, but he's, yeah. a, he's a genius. And if he was delivering results, if he was delivering – High inter- entertaining offenses in Baton Rouge. Just look, their their damn basketball coaches on wiretaps paying players. They're they're winning, so they're all behind him. So it'd be the <laughs> same deal with this Mike Leach. He would win big, and if he was the guy, I don't I don't think Nick Saban has ever faced him, but I'm I'm sure Nick Saban would hate to face that offense every single year as as compared to what he's facing at LSU now, where they're just trying to run it up the gut on him, and it just it's not doing anything. Uh, yeah, give me Mike Leach at LSU, and I'm just going to sit back till I get my national championship ring. You know you know who else I could see hiring him? And, and, I mean, a lot of things would have to work out, but Florida, the University of Florida. I know we talked a lot of West teams here, but as far as the East, a couple teams, South Carolina maybe, just because they have taken the shot with Lou Holtz in the past, Steve Spurrier. I mean, they've taken some crazies in. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so you can never you can never count them out. But you know, ever since Spurrier has been gone from the University of Florida, those guys miss the fun and gun. And mm-hmm. what's your next best thing? Freaking Coach Leach. You know, I could definitely see him if 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 Dan didn't work out. You know, them. You know, giving him an opportunity because they've tried 
other routes. You know, they tried what's supposed to be the best and, and maybe it didn't work out. So why not go back to the fun and gun style, you know? Shane, I got a feeling if we did this podcast long enough, we could talk ourselves into Mike Leach coaching at all 14 schools. <laughs> we just want this guy in here. Uh, just, you know, people may uh, mock us for that, but oh, just get wait, just get ready till we hit the fall and we're getting Jeremy Pruitt and Nick Saban and Kirby Smart just saying nothing in their press conferences and being damn robots. And then you got Mike Leach out here talking about going and hunting Bigfoot. I mean, give me that guy 10 out of 10. Uh, I, oh, someone just needs to about, pull the trigger on him. You know what? what about the Iron Bowl with Saban on one side, Leach on the other? Could you imagine – Ooh, With the eagle was... coming in and Leach can't get his eyes off of it because it's an actual live mascot he can watch. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how awesome would that be? Oh, I'd love it, man. I'd love it. Now, was there another part to this question, something about Washington, going back to Washington State? Uh, no, wait, I think he was just saying which oh. jobs would he leave Washington State for in the SEC. And I honestly, oh, okay. I think just about any of them because even Vanderbilt, I think Vanderbilt's a better job than Washington State. I mean, he made Washington State. If he went to Vanderbilt, I think he would make Vanderbilt relevant. I don't, so. I don't think he would do it, man. I don't think he'd do Vandy. Uh, maybe he'd do Kentucky. I mean, Kentucky, maybe. Uh Shane, you must have forgotten Tennessee tried like they they agreed to sign this guy and they backed out. You don't think he'd want to go to damn Vanderbilt and whoop Tennessee's ass every year? I'm I'm telling you, he's yeah, crazy he's enough to do right. it if if they offered him the job. I just don't maybe maybe deep down inside I don't want him to go to Vandy, Mike. You know? It's like the <laughs> Cleveland Browns all of a sudden hiding our you know. It's like you expect the Browns to suck and then they, they get OBJ today. So, you know, it's just no, I don't want I don't want them to have Coach Leach. They can't have him. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, Shane. Well, I think that's going to do it for this one, Shane. I don't want to get you angry before you got to go to bed, and I think I already <laughs> went that way with the Mike Leach to Vanderbilt. So you got anything else before we hop off here? Anchor down. Uh, you know, they could work with that. <laughs> you know, the captain anchor down. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that could work with that. <laughs> Oh, man. No, that's all I got, man. And uh, it's good to get two out to, uh, this week. We're going to try to, you know, things are slowing down for me. So we'll be able to start uh, start getting two out a week. So, uh, but that's all I got, man. All right. Thanks, Shane, for joining me as always. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And remember, if you made it this far please, and you wouldn't mind going just one step further, give us a rating on iTunes. That really helps us out, rating and reviews. We really appreciate every single one we get of those. Uh, Beyond that, uh, we'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. Well, it's so it's too late to rescue you. Uh, the, uh, the best wisdom that I can possibly give, uh, the best w- wisdom I can possibly give on that subject nine days and it's a little late you should have come to me sooner um the uh my wisdom would be uh you you have to stay out of the way now and i wish you a very happy marriage and i'm sure you'll have one but uh, i'm just telling you uh when it comes to marriages uh, the women lose their mind your fiance is going to lose her mind your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind your mom is going to lose her mind Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind. And um, 
and that you, they're going to they're going to barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? And then, uh, which of course my answer was, I don't care. And then, uh, what color should the invitations be? I don't care. Uh, what should we have for dessert? I don't care. Should we seat this this way or th that that way? I don't care. But see, I don't care is not satisfactory at all. And you're going to get caught in a catch-22, and I'm certain that you already have. And that catch-22 is, well, I want you to be a part of this too. Uh, so what color invitations? Um, all right, the blue ones. Well, I kind of like uh, I kind of like the tan ones. Okay, the tan ones then. Oh, you're just saying that because uh, 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 you want this over with. You're not even thinking about it, which is of course true. And then, um, well, uh, uh, what do you want for dessert? I was thinking of strawberry shortcake. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, strawberry shortcake would be good. Well, what about the blueberry pie? Well, I like the blueberry pie. We could have the blueberry pie. Well, I thought you said you wanted the strawberry shortcake. And it's just going to go back and forth, and they're going to play keep away from you until uh, after you're married. So what you need to do is you need to work late hours, work late, be, be very nice and supportive, and um, uh, but, but they're going to play keep away from you, and, and there's no answer you can give that is going to be satisfactory or correct. And if you successfully uh, please a few of them, the others will still be, oh, well, I just don't feel like he's that interested. Yeah, okay, so, so you need to work late, uh, go in the back room and read a lot of books. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you have to go uh, take the groomsmen out so you make sure that they march in just right and they know exactly, you know, these swell outfits that you picked out or whatever, however you're doing it. Um, and in the end, you'll wish you eloped, but um, uh, nevertheless, you need to find uh, you need to find um, excuses uh, that they'll buy uh, to be as far out of harm's way as you possibly can. And uh, but uh, take comfort in knowing that uh, once the ceremony's over, um, that uh, you know life will get progressively better from there, even though there's some adjustment.